Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Weekly Pass with my co-host, Holly Huggins. And we're joined by a good friend of mine, Jeff Garcia, 17 years professionally. He started in Canada, which I always love that some people don't talk about that, Jeff, that you started in Canada, got the Grey Cup, MVP, did so much in the NFL. And I don't think people talk enough about Jeff Garcia. You were a beast. I mean, the way that you were able to stay in the league for so long, stay healthy, what you established. And then I love, I always think about 2003. I mean, I think it's still the record, Jeff, where you came back, there was four minutes to go, 38-14, biggest comeback still in NFC history in the playoffs. Uh, so much that you did, and uh, we're just happy to have you. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on with you ladies and uh, talk a little football and talk a little bit about life. So Hit it. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Hey, fantasy fans. Check out our newest bomb made with White Claw and Svetka Cherry Limeade Vodka. We serve it ice cold alongside a can of White Claw Black Cherry Hard Seltzer. We call it the Cherry Limeade Bomb. Let's go. So, Jeff, of course, you know, the fact that you played for the Lions and the 49ers, obviously the Niners are my team. What are you thinking going into this weekend it's a huge weekend there's so much brock purdy hate and i don't get where it comes from he's such a good kid i mean and you kind of know how that is sometimes to be you know he was someone that's you know mr irrelevant but he's a good guy he doesn't talk a lot he's he's been able to get us to the nfc championship games two years in a row what is it that people don't like about brock well they want to uh really take away what he's achieved from the standpoint of the excellence that he has played at the level that he has played at and they want to compare him to the other quarterbacks in the league especially the ones that are remaining in the playoffs hey first round draft picks high top picks in uh mm -hmm. in in their draft classes but that being said you know brock is the perfect fit for what kyle shanahan likes to do uh, he manages the system so well. He's, for the most part, a very good decision maker. He throws an accurate ball. His timing is precise. He gives his playmakers opportunities to make plays. And that's what a good quarterback does, just like a good point guard on the basketball court. You have to manage the game. You have to run the offense. You have to be precise in how you run it and execute it and get your playmakers involved. And yes, he's fortunate to have great playmakers around him with CMC and Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and all the guys, but every team has weapons at their disposal. This is the NFL. Every team is supposed to have the best of the best at each position on the field. So for people to say, well, he's surrounded by greatness. Well, you know what? He makes everybody else great by how he runs the offense as well just like they make him look great by making plays out there on the field but if you mm -hmm. look at his accuracy guys aren't going out there and making unbelievable catches unbelievable plays he's putting the ball where it needs to be put and allowing players to now catch the ball in stride catch the ball where they have an opportunity to make yards after the catch you know, I think it's just one of those things. If you put Lamar Jackson in Kyle Shanahan's system, 
I think it takes away from what Kyle wants to do as an offense and what yeah. Lamar maybe brings to the table. He's not really suited to run that style of offense. So I don't think Lamar would be as successful as Brock is as succeeding in Kyle's system. And so for each guy, hey, their coaches, uh, their systems have been designed and somewhat built and orchestrated around the talent that they have. And hey, Lamar has had an outstanding year, MVP candidate, all those things. He's a great player, but he runs a system differently than how Brock runs a system. Yeah. And yeah. I'm more the style of probably how Brock plays the game. Hey, it's about timing. It's about execution. It's, it's reading, get the ball out of your hand. You're not going to hold it for long. Hey, when you have a chance to extend a play, he does a great job. He's savvy. He creates when he has to but he's not reliant upon it. Right. Now, I'm sure you watched the game. You know, there's a lot of scrutiny that he didn't play well against the Ravens. He didn't play well against the Packers. And then some people say, no, Shanahan got outcoached. Um, so when you look at the game, you were an analyst for a long time. Jeff, what did you see from that from that win, that close win? <laughs> well, for, first of all, prior to the game, you have to look at what leads into game day, okay? When you look at the 49ers, they clinched their division. They clinched the number one seed with still a game left in the season. So what do they do? They rest a couple key players. Then they have the bye week. Look, football is a physical game and it's highly taxing, not just on your body, but on your mind mentally. When you tell your body, Hey, you're going to take a break. You're going to get a week off. You're going to get two weeks off. Things start to naturally shut down. And we all know when the playoffs start, the speed of the game picks up another notch. Yep, These yep. are the best of the best. The elite of all the teams in the National Football League are now coming into the playoff sector. And that's why a team like Green Bay becomes so dangerous because they're a team that scratched on their way right to the last game of the season. Mm -hmm. They're playing at a level where they have to find a way to win football games. They go into Dallas take care of a soft, not mentally ready Dallas team <laughs> yeah. and show what they're capable of playing with house money. Nobody mm -hmm. expected Green Bay to go on the road and do what they yeah. did, but they didn't allow that to be pressure on them. They put the pressure on the Cowboys to be, hey, you're the better team. You're supposed to beat us. We're yeah. not supposed yeah. to win. So they did the same thing going into San Francisco. And when you have some young players and not to say that he wasn't prepared mentally, but it's a shock to the system when all of a sudden you haven't thrown a live pass in three weeks against competition. Yeah. And all of a sudden, hey, they're coming off the edge at you. They're doing all kinds of different things defensively to disguise and uh, to confuse you. You're just not as sharp as you were three weeks prior when you were playing week in and week out. And yeah, the Baltimore game, We'll take that as a hiccup. Hey, Baltimore came in and proved that they were the top dog in the National Football League with how they played in that game. But I also think it was an eye-opening experience for the 49ers to see what else is out there and that, hey, we can't just show up and think we're going to compete. We have to be ready physically and mentally. Well, now you get past that hiccup last week. Yeah, Brock wasn't as sharp as he's shown throughout the season. And I think a lot has to do with the fact that 
he hadn't played a game in three weeks. And that's why I've always struggled with resting players on the bye week or in the midweek between a regular season game and a playoff game. And I was a subject of that. When I played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we won the division with a few games left in the season. And our second to last game, we had already clinched the division, clinched a home playoff spot. Our second to last game, uh, the week 15 game, was in San Francisco. We come out to San Fran. I play the first half of the game. I throw for two touchdowns, 200-plus yards, passing. We're winning the game. And then at halftime, Gruden sits about a dozen players. We end up losing that game. We come home the next week. At home, we were, I think, 7-0 and or 6-1 and at home that season. And we play a bad Carolina team with Vinny Testaverde starting <laughs> at 45 years old. I remember that. That game at home. Yeah, so about a dozen of us, again, older vets, starters, mm-hmm. don't even dress for the game. We're in sweats on the sideline. So we don't warm up. We don't do any of those things. We sit for the game. We lose to the Carolina Panthers in the last game of the season. Now, yeah. not that it, hey, it's to affect things mentally. And just having those week and a half off prior to our home game, which was against the New York Giants, who were scratching and clawing their way into the playoffs and had to win their last four or five games of the season, but hit stride at the perfect time. They come into Tampa on our playoff game, home game, and we don't show up like we are capable of. And we get beat. Now New York ends up winning the Super Bowl that year, beating New England. But still, we were a better team than what we showed on that day. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we hadn't played together as a team for over two weeks and it it makes a difference that being said hey they got that rush shaken off now Detroit and not many people remember me playing for Detroit hell sometimes I want to forget that I played for Detroit (laughs) but that being said I made the decision to go and join Mariucci and all the Mm -hmm. former Niner coaches that were there in Detroit 2005 and and I was there I love that Detroit is still in it because those fans, as you right. see in watching games, I mean, it means something to them. They have been waiting for decades for something like this to cheer for. So it's a great story. I think a hey, Campbell has done an awesome job of redirecting yeah. that franchise and, and getting those players to play for him. And, hey, you got a local boy in Jared Goff who grew uh-huh. up right there coming in home. Marin County coming home. So, it should be an exciting game. I think the 49ers will definitely be better than they were last week and more mm-hmm. prepared in the sense of what they're about to see. Yeah, before I toss it to Holly, so anything throwing the wet ball, was that any concerning thing for Purdy? I mean, it definitely makes a difference. I'm glad he dropped the glove because when you're not used to practicing yep, with the glove, playing with the glove, and oftentimes, I don't know if glove really helps in the rain as it is. I know the refs try to, hey, swap out the balls, try to keep the balls dry, but mm-hmm. you're going to get some wetness on it. I mean, it makes a difference as to how you can grip it. I mean, he made, you know what? It wasn't so much how he threw the ball. There were a couple decisions where he got away with uh, potential interceptions, you know, and uh, that, that, that was the main thing. I think just being able to see that he wasn't seeing the field like he needed to see the field, and he got away with a couple poor decisions that uh, fortunately didn't cost the team. Yeah. 
Jeff, what's going to be the key to uh, to stopping Jared Goff this weekend? Well, I think pass rush. Obviously, hey, you got to get those front front four to put a put put some pressure on Jared. Move him mm-hmm. off his spot. He's not a guy that. He's athletic enough to put the ball. It's not to say that he can't run with football, but that's not his thing. He's not yeah. trying to get outside the pocket. He's not trying to scramble and make plays. You got to get him off his mark, make him feel uncomfortable. You got to hit him in the chin a few times. And those are the type of things that if from a physicality standpoint, if you can do that, Hey, he's a veteran quarterback. The guy has won a lot of football games, whether it was with the Rams or now in Detroit. Uh, he's a good football player, but I think you have to uh, you have to uh, create a sense of disturbing the timing. Uh, he's a guy who wants to throw on rhythm. He's a smart quarterback. He's going to read defense. He's going to try to throw guys open, disrupt the timing. That means getting your hands on receivers, throwing them off the paths of their route running, and then getting pressure forcing him to step up in the pocket, forcing him to get off his setup point and go at number two or number three receiver or running back or tied in the progression. He's got talent. He's got talent, talented guys to throw to. He's got a heck of a tight end. He's got some good crafty wide receivers. So the guy's got some people to, uh, to work with. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a great, great challenge for the 49er defense, but the 49ers, defensively with those linebackers that d line mm-hmm. uh, creating some pressure that's going to be the key did you have any concern with the defense last last weekend because uh they didn't even generate a single sack uh with green bay last weekend do you have concerns there i mean i think you have to look at first of all i think green bay did an excellent job in the two weeks that they faced yeah. two really good pass rushing teams in Dallas and then coming to San Francisco. But secondly, you, if you're not getting it done with your front four, then you need to fabricate some pressure. You need to fabricate a, some DBs off the edge, some linebacker pressures up the gut, some things that sometimes Wilkes, the D coordinator doesn't want to go to, and you can't be stubborn in that sort of way. You have to be creative at times when the front four are not getting it done, then you better create an extra edge rusher, five, six guys going at the quarterback. I mean, that's just, I think, one of the things that previous defense coordinators for the Niners have been really good at creating pressure. And as much as we want to look at, well, they're built with guys that should be able to put pressure themselves. Well, they're going to coat teams are smart too. They're going to find ways to, Hey, they're going to chip with an extra guy on the edge, a slow Bosa mm-hmm. down. They're going to, Hey, they're going to double up on an inside guy, maybe Armstead going to do things to where they're going to cr- try to create that little extra time. I mean, a couple of weeks ago when Detroit played the Rams, they had two, maybe three guys on Aaron Donald at times. He mm-hmm. didn't sniff the backfield for yeah. the most part. So, you know, they have to do some things where it's not just, Hey, brawn versus brain where we're going to just line up and hey we're going to bring our four best players and and wreak havoc sometimes your four best need to be helped out by one or two more and you got to take those chances in key situations to create that sudden change or that turnover or that sack that gets 
them punting the ball and the cha- field position change and all those things necessary for a defense to get off the field. Mm-hmm. Is there a concern, Jeff, that they the Lions do not play well on the road and they don't play well on the grass? So they're going to be facing both of that in San Francisco. Does that come into play, you think, in the playoffs? Or are they this team, the Cinderella team, that it's, you know, the stars are aligning? Yeah, I don't think players are thinking that way. I don't think a player from the Niners is thinking, well, they're coming to our place. They're playing on grass. They haven't proved to be very good in those sort of situations. But I think right now Detroit is playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, They're playing again with, uh, hey, they have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Uh, So they're a dangerous football team when you have that sort of mindset because you're not so much concerned about every single play. You're just out there doing what you enjoy doing and trying to do it to your best. But if you make a mistake, they're not going to worry about it. They're going to move on from it. And that's where sometimes I think, especially when you look at last week's game, the 49ers got a little tight, got a little tight and how they were feeling and how they were not controlling the tempo of the game. And it showed, and hopefully they come out a little bit looser this weekend uh, with the feeling of, of playing like they're capable of playing, flying around, being energetic, playing with emotion, those sort of things. Cause that's how Detroit's playing right now. They're flying around. And if you're not, if you're not expecting it, they're going to hit you in the mouth and they're going to keep hitting you in the mouth. And, uh, that's a team that's bringing a blue collar work ethic mentality from their home city. Mm. They're carrying all that with them. So, yeah. you know, that's what hey, Campbell said. They're going to be a challenge. That's, gonna be a challenge. Yeah. that's Campbell's motto, right? Just keep hitting them, keep hitting them. <laughs> so you're very opinionated, Jeff. What, what's your prediction? What, what, what's your prediction for this weekend then for both NFC and AFC? Yeah. You know, Hey, I think, when you look at the AFC Baltimore is such a good football team all around. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Kansas City do offensively mm-hmm. against Baltimore. Now Kansas city's defense has played better this year. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes and that offense has played better over the last couple of weeks. Uh, they struggled through the regular season, but I think that happens when you become, you're that team that is so used to winning, so used to get into the Super Bowl. It's difficult to maintain that edge every single week. And I think at times they just played to the level of their competition. Well, now it's a whole different story. They're going into Baltimore. Baltimore is a hell of a football team. And uh, they have a quarterback that's playing at the top of his game right now. They have, a running game that can back him. They have, you know, even with guys that aren't necessarily starters or have come off of practice squads and all those things, but they create some balance and, and Lamar's legs are a challenge in itself. But that defense of Baltimore is so good. And so when you look at them as being so well-rounded special teams, defense and offense, I think Baltimore has the edge. I think it's going to be a good football game, but I think they're going to pull it out something like a 31-24 type game. You know, there's going to be points right. on the board, but they're going to they're going to have the edge. Uh, you know, with San Francisco and Detroit, I do believe San Francisco is just too much of a all-around team with the defense and offense, the ability to run the football, the ability to play action, move, Brock's weapons. I think a big consideration is where's Debo at? 
and I haven't read anything. I don't know anything. I don't know what Debo's standing is, but here's my thoughts on Debo. Look, I know it's your shoulder, but when you're on the field, you're a difference maker. Whether you touch the ball or not, people are aware of where you're at and what you're doing. And if you're running in motion and they're faking handoffs to you, they're faking screens, they're doing things like that, Detroit is going to be paying attention and it creates space for other guys. So I'm hoping that he can pull through. But I think, you know, I think the 49ers, again, they're going to rise to the top. Hey, they're going to get to the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a close game as well. I think both these games are going to be great football games. But, you know, I think points are going to be scored again. I think it's going to be one of those 34 kind of 34-24 type games. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. I'm not one for betting or gambling, but (laughs) I'm pulling. I think the whole, I think the home teams in both games, um, just all around as teams are too much to overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, Baltimore, they've, uh, what was 2013 was the last uh, Super Bowl matchup with, and they beat the Niners. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back though. I want to talk about last week's game a little bit more. Was there at any point that uh, I've been listening to a lot of people questioning um, Shanahan's play calling a little bit from last week? Did you have any concerns with some of the calls that, that he made last week? Well, I think there are times when Mike will get, I'm sorry, Kyle will get away from the run game and he starts to lean on the passing game, even though he relies heavily on the screen game, which is somewhat of an extension of the running game. But all of a sudden you don't have Debo in there. So you don't have your normal go-to guy for the quick screens, the sweet plays. I mean, obviously people are questioning Kyle, I think, when they saw the first play of the second half. And you have a player in at what normally would be Debo's position, and you still go through with it and run a play that's meant for Debo, not for, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, not for him. It was not for him. And we saw it was like a three or four-yard loss. But then you get into that second half, and, you know, you're not being as productive, a it's a nasty weather game, but you kind of start to get away from the run game at times when, Hey, CMC is your guy. He's your strength in so many ways. And what he does with the ball in his hands is so special that you cannot not go there at least once every three snaps of the ball. Mm-hmm. And anytime you start going into four five, six passes in a row, and, and abandoning that run game or abandoning CMC, I mean, I think that's where people start to question, uh, was he out coached? Did he get out of his, you know, game plan? And, you know, it's a feel. It's a feel as a coach on the sideline. It's really a feel. But I think one of the things that I think I would question at times is that he does get away from trying to run the football and wants to get that either quick strike or that big play, maybe it's not happening. And so people start to question that, you know, at the end of the day, he's a heck of a coach. He's done a great job with the 49ers. He does a great job of creating deception and matchup opportunities for his team on the field. And so, you know, it's a tough job to be a play caller 
And I would like to see many of those people who question yeah. play calling try to design an offensive scheme against a defense and within 15 seconds make a play call that gives you a chance to have success on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, we only have a couple more minutes with you, but I do have to ask you, Harbaugh. So he wins a natty in Michigan, and now I believe you're still in the San Diego area now. Um, he is with the Chargers, Los Angeles, I should say. But what are your thoughts on Harbaugh going to the Chargers? That's an amazing pickup for the Chargers. I think what he brings from the standpoint of, of experience, first and foremost, being a former player, uh, he's very hard-nosed, mm -hmm. disciplinarian. Uh, I think he's going to get guys. You're either going to believe in him and jump on board, or he's going to weed you out. He's not going to allow uh, anybody to straddle the fence, so to speak. And that's going to go for the owners too. I mean, you're talking yeah, about yeah, a major yeah. ego, mm -hmm. a major ego coming into the building that has proven to be successful at the collegiate level, at the professional level. Um, I think he'll do a great job of getting that team headed in the right direction. It's just a matter of how much aid or help new GM. I'm not sure who they've hired or if they've hired somebody as GM and the ownership will be willing to give him hey they have a quarterback already in the room oh yeah um, they best. have some some good players they have some good players on that ball club but they've been so uh so inconsistent so underachieving over the last few years their coach the last couple seasons made the worst decisions on the field at times with going for it on fourth downs on two-point conversions all the things that cost them games that I would just question as a fan watching the game. And so I think you're going to get a guy just like he was with the 49ers. I mean, he, he's going to nip any sort of um, uh, discrepancies in the tail right away. He's going to get people to believe in his culture and what he expects out of them. And if you don't, then he's going to weed you out and he's going to turn the page onto somebody new who will step in and do that job. But I yeah. think it's a great addition for the Chargers. But Jeff, you know, you hear some of the players, you know, I talked to some of the players who are under Harbaugh and they said they didn't like some of his coaching antics. Does sometimes the way his hard nose, does it not translate well sometimes to the NFL from college? I mean, you're an old school type of player, but some of these guys, I mean, they're kind of, they're a little bit bitchy sometimes, right? They're, they're soft. Pushy, so, you know, they know they're soft. I'm sorry, I was going to say it. You know, sometimes they're soft. They don't like the two-a-days. They don't like the hard work. So, I mean, what is, could that maybe not, could that backfire? The little prima donnas are yeah. kind of stepping out and talking. Huh? Well, here's the thing. Look, the NFL has curtailed a lot of the difficult stuff or taken away a lot of the difficult stuff from coaches to be yeah. able to do. You yes. know, if he has an expectation of, hey, it's our off season program. I expect you to be there. Well, that is because he's trying to build a team and bring a team together as a family. You know, there aren't the consecutive double days anymore. There's a lot less days in pads. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot less, uh, Crazy. you know, toughness being handed out by coaches. I mean, what they're able to do at the collegiate level as compared to the professional <laughs> level is probably 
black and white in so many ways. I mean, if anybody has seen some of the stuff that Urban Meyer was doing down at Florida with those players or <laughs> Ohio State or what some of these coaches do with the workouts that they put together for these young kids. But you know what? They're creating toughness. They're creating mm -hmm. a, a sense of bonding and support for each other. And, and, and they're, they're kind of kicking the selfishness out of them. Yes, it's different when you get into the NFL and you have guys that are making 40 to 50 million a year, making four, five, six times what a coach ever make in a season. And just the mentality changes and you don't have the closeness amongst players like you do in a college locker room. It's just different, right? It's become now a business and guys are doing different things at the end of the day. Some guys have families and three, four, five kids. Other guys are young and, hey, wanting to hit the street and have fun and all those things. But, you know, there's a fine line. And I've heard the same things. I've heard there are certain things about Harbaugh that rub people wrong. Mm -hmm. And I've never really been around Harbaugh. I was at one 49er game. It was a preseason game where they had me as the honorary captain on the field prior to the game. And they were going on. It was the last year that the Niners played in the sticks. Okay, so they were reminiscing the, the, the nine greatest Niner games at the stick. And my game was like, was number nine or whatever. So it fell in a preseason game with the giant, with the giant comeback. So I was on the field. And you would think Harbaugh would at least say hello or something like that. It's a preseason game. I mean, he didn't even like look at me or buzz or whatever you know no and so i was like but you know that's just <laughs> hey i get it too it's a game and he's getting prepared for the he's game and, but you think and we're we're fellow quarterbacks of the national football league yeah. there's a little bit right. of a bond there you know yeah. but that being said i used to hear of some of the struggles that a hey, whether it be players or the gm yep. and harbaugh how they used to butt heads because of just different mentalities but you know what? The 49ers during his time went from a team of a eight, nine, 10 years of losing after the early 2000s when we left. You were there. In 2003, that was the last playoff season going into 2003. They hadn't made the playoffs until Harbaugh got there and turned things around. So there's something to be said for, hey, guys may not like his approach all the time or his mentality. But he knows how to win. He knows how to to apply things on the field. But you also saw, hey, the shoulder collision with the coach from Detroit. That yeah, one I know. Yeah, you do those things, you know. Maybe he thinks he still can play at times. Yeah, <laughs> he's intense. You know that. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, it's always great mm -hmm. to talk to you. And, and, you know, I always love, you know, I don't care what anyone says, Jeff. You've always respected women in sports. You've always respected me in sports. And um, I don't care what anyone says. You've always been great. So I hope you get back in there being an analyst because you're really good. So that's got to end it with that. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Thank you, Bonnie, Jill, and Holly. Nice to see you ladies and have a great time. And maybe we'll see you in Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll be there. Jeff, you're going to be there, right? I'll be there, yep. Okay, good. All right. See ya. Thanks, my friend. Bye. Take care. Bye. In the mood for something nostalgic? Try our deliciously spiked take on this classic staple. 
Our new spiked cherry cola blends the flavors of premium Maker's Mark bourbon, made with red winter wheat instead of the usual rye. Have you ordered one yet?